0: Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with Nicholas and Heather Vizi. Well, this is the fourth in a series that I'm doing on the subject of manifestation. If you want to catch up on the other ones, uh, we do have it on our website. We have podcasts, and you know you can have a look at the other ones. But this is the fourth. I've got one more uh, next week on, on the subject of manifestation. The word manifestation comes from the Latin uh, manifestus, which actually means to make evident, to make plain, to see, to make visible. And we get the word manifest uh, in terms of ships. You, You declare what your manifest is, and that's what can be seen on the ship. It is what is evident on the ship. That is your manifest. So when we talk about manifestation, we're not talking about magicking something into uh Perspective, I always mentioned my daughter has always said, Why, Dad, why can't you just manifest a new car? You know, there's some way of going about it. No, this is really more about making evident what's there. And in that first week, I spoke about the need for us to manifest who we are in a transparent way, showing the good and the bad, the light and the dark, the yin and the yang of who we are, rather than trying present an edited version of ourselves that's only good. In other words, to to make plain and evident manifest who we are. And in the second week, I spoke about, you know, what the world seems to be manifesting at the moment. What is plain and evident are the global problems that exist. The wars, the pandemic, refugees, global warming. And I spoke of the need for us to take responsibility for all of that and to use our understanding and the truth that becomes evident out of our connectedness of all things to make the world a better place, to to step into that. And last week I talked a little bit about the way that we see reality, the idea that our minds provide us with a virtual reality of the world based on what's perceivable, and I talked about the importance of expanding our consciousness so as to gain new insights that would otherwise not be seen. I mentioned Schopenhauer's idea that talent hits a target no one else can hit, genius hits a target that no one else can see. And our role in life, I said, was to expand our consciousness so as to be able to perceive more and to respond to life from a more informed perspective. I think it's interesting that we can often get confused about what we think of as reality. And is reality the way that we relate to things as we perceive them? If that's the case, then... The nature of reality is actually defined by perception. And as we saw last week, our perception is actually based on very limited parameters. The mind is really trying to make sense of the the morass of darkness that's the universe with whatever senses that the mind can get its hands on to do that. So in trying to identify what's real, Using our mind, we're using an imperfect tool to explore the unknown darkness of the universe that surrounds us. And today, what I want to do is to look at how we might navigate these inner and outer worlds. What is it that we can be sure of? So we know that our feet are on the ground firmly as we try to manifest to make evident a true reality to others around us. And it is difficult because we can't be sure what our mind is picking up is actually out there. And is there a difference between what's out there and what's in here anyway? Isn't it all one? The one thing I think that does link everything that's out there and everything is in here is the breath. Our breath is the one thing that links everything. It's the link between the inner and the outer, and it actually makes the inner and the outer one as the breath participates in both. And therefore, I think our breath is the bridge upon which we can stand as we try to navigate our way to a firm reality. It's a firm bridge in that it's always there and we can always come back to it. It's the one thing that we can rely on as being real. And it's therefore, I think, the building block to all ideas of reality. It links the aliveness of our inner world with the aliveness of the outer world. And it's the bridge from aliveness to aliveness. And you know, every religious tradition recognizes that. The Greek word for breath is pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, pneuma. And we get the word pneumonia from it, a breathing disease. But in the New Testament, the word pneuma is used to mean spirit. In John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus says, Very truly I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. And the word for spirit there is pneuma. When Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert, it's the same word, pneuma. Blessed are the poor in pneuma. Blessed are the poor in spirit. God says that He will pour His Spirit in him. Same word. And you know, in the Greek, the word for breath and spirit are the same. The word for breath and spirit are the same. In fact, the word spirit comes from the Latin word spirare, which means to breathe. So you you get the idea. There is an absolute connection between spirit and breath. Our whole concept of spirit and our concept of spirituality is actually founded in the breath. It's seen by the Judeo-Christian religion as the place where God meets us. The whole spirit aspect is that. So our whole concept of spirituality is founded in the breath. And, you know, it goes across other religions. In the Hindu scriptures, the Upanishads, it says, man does not live by breath alone. In in the Hindu, in the Upanishads, it's not man does live by bread alone. It says, man does not live by breath alone, but by him in whom is the power of breath. So there's a link there again with the spirituality and breath. And the Taoists say the spirit cannot be stabilized by force. When the mind and the breathing, when the mind and the breathing rest together, then the spirit naturally stabilizes. This is said because mind, breath, and spirit are one. This is still the Taoist. The mind and the breath are manifestations of the spirit. It's an interesting idea that, I think, the mind and the breath resting in each other. And Lao Tzu, who wrote the Tao Te Ching, says, The space between heaven and earth is like a bellows. Human beings are born by virtue of the energy of heaven and earth. Respiration is the mechanism of the bellows. So you've got this idea of spirit, bellows, breath, going right the way you know, through these different uh, religions with heaven and earth and the link, and this being the bridge between the two, the bridge upon which we stand. So when we're looking for a place we can feel the reality of life, it is, I think, to the breath that we must go. Because, because the breath just is. It's not moderated. It's not a moderated virtual reality moderated by the mind. It's, a, it's real and true, and it's a place that we can inhabit without question. I think it, it is aliveness made real. Aliveness is characterized by breath, and when our mind and our breath rest in each other, then we're actually resting in aliveness, So I think our breath is the starting point when looking for reality. (laughs) When, I don't know what that was, but uh, (laughs) we'll just take that as a moment of aliveness. (laughs) So our breath is the starting point when we're looking at reality. When we're looking for where to begin our quest for manifestations, to make visible, to indicate, to make plain the reality that we offer as truth, which you know, I always come back to, but I think, again, that talks about you know, the nature of meditation, the importance of meditation and spiritual practice when we inhabit the breath. We inhabit the breath and we live in the spirit, opening our hearts the seat of our consciousness, to receive from that beingness, that ground of all being, that spirit in our breath, from true reality, from that ground of being. And by inhabiting the breath, we open up that channel, I think, to the centre of reality, the ground of being, to God. And we receive the insight that we need to expand our consciousness and get the insight that we were talking about last week. Insight literally means inner vision, a wisdom that comes from within. You know, whereas talent can hit a target no one else can hit, genius can hit a target no one else can see. Insight comes through our breath. It arrives from our inner self. It is the connection to the ordering principle that enables us to expand our minds and our consciousness and to see the target that no one else can see. So our method for manifesting is the method of the breath, touching the spirit that leads to God through breath, the most alive place on earth. And it's this that enables us to see into the morass of darkness that is the universe, to live on the bridge from aliveness to aliveness, all from putting our attention on breathing in, and breathing out, and from the mind and the breath resting together. And if you're interested in developing that, I am restarting my weekly meditation sessions here at the chapel on Monday mornings, that's tomorrow at 8.15 to 9.15, and you can come and practice uh, being in that space and that breath tomorrow morning, 8.15, here. Because there is no more important cold face spiritually to work at. Than on the breath. It takes you out of the controlling nature of the mind and opens the portal to allow your heart to be fed and enlightened by the ordering principle of the universe. A focus on the breath teaches us how to love. We do it, breath, with no expectation of return, not to get better or wealthier. We focus on the breath not to get more enlightened. We do it out of love for the universe, which in turn teaches us how to love. Thomas Merton takes this sort of analogy. It's a wonderful um, paragraph that I've used before. He says that God utters me like a word. God utters me like a word containing a partial thought of himself. A word can never be able to comprehend the voice that utters it, But if I'm true to the concept that God utters in me, if I'm true to the concept that God utters in me, if I'm true to the thought of him that I was meant to embody, I shall be full of his actuality and find him everywhere in myself, and I shall find myself nowhere. I shall be lost in him. That is, I shall find myself. I shall be saved. The idea that we are played by god like a musical instrument that the breath is is that divine reality playing us in some way it's is a wonderful thought and i think you know once you start to focus on the breath you 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 realize you're being breathed as well as breathing you're expressing something deep and 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 within you and from that you get a sense of how we connect to that divine reality through the breath God literally speaking through our breath, playing us like that musical instrument. And through our focus on the breath, a new wisdom comes through. Wisdom not generated by the mind. When it says in Romans 5 that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, it's the holy pneuma that's mentioned The Holy Spirit is the holy breath. And we make our breath holy by putting our attention on it, by giving up to it. And it's this that creates the wisdom that enables us to deal with the world's problems. Rowan Williams, who was the last Archbishop of Canterbury, said, to put it boldly, meditation is the only ultimate answer to the unreal and insane world that our financial systems and advertising culture and our chaotic and unexamined emotions encourage us to inhabit. He says that meditation is the only ultimate answer to the unreal, insane world, financial systems, advertising culture, chaotic and unexamined emotions that those encourage us to inhabit. To learn meditative practice is to learn what we need so as to live truthfully and honestly and lovingly. It is a deeply revolutionary matter. And that is the focus on the breath. It's the mantra is the same thing. It's the focus on that. And when we're talking about manifesting in the world, we're talking about the way by which we bring the the wisdom within us into the world to solve some of the problems that we mentioned Over the last couple of weeks, that wisdom from the second axial age that includes global consciousness, the awareness of the universe as one reality, participating in an emerging concern and compassion and an individual responsibility for the other and social justice becoming an important part of the future of human existence. All of that second axial consciousness is what we're talking about. It's that wisdom. These are the things that need to be manifested in the world. And you can see that in the psalm that Barbara read today. When you hide your face, they're terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to dust. But when you send your spirit, you are created and you renew the face of the ground. It is the spirit within the breath, the spirit of the breath that transforms us and our experience of life and in turn enables us to transform the experience of others. That gateway to wisdom is the breath. It says in Proverbs 4, the spirit comes through the breath. It says in Proverbs 4, get wisdom, though it costs you all you have. Get understanding, cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her. And she will honor you. She will give you a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown. And surely that's what we're looking for, for wisdom, to know what to do, when to act, when not to act, how to read a situation, how to see the true nature of reality, not one that's been dreamt up by our minds with all its prejudices and inconsistencies and judgments. True wisdom sees through the illusion and goes to the nature of reality. It is the only way we can gain insight into that morass of darkness and bring a light that will enable others to see too. And each of us will have a different connection through our breath because each of us has something different to offer. We start with our breath, it builds reality both in our minds and in the way we see the universe out there. And the breath is then the portal through which love's come through from the ground of being into the world. We become a portal for love. And it's through our breath that consciousness evolves and is transformed, and love flows into the world. And we, do, we don't have to understand how that comes about. We just have to know that our focus on our breath cultivates love within us And then goes out into the world and makes a difference to us and all who are around us. I mentioned this from Wayne Teasdale last week. A living, mature, integrated spiritual life. In other words, when you bring that wisdom through, transforms our actions. It transforms our behavior, conforming them to the requirements of love. And that's what we want to be doing in our lives. Have our, our, our lives conformed to the requirements of love. But not just in meditation, the imperative is to have the mind and the breathing resting together at all times as we work, as we walk along, as as I deliver this, as you sit there, to have that aliveness of the breath. So often we're just in our minds, and when the mind and the breath rest together, the portal is open for the manifestation of what wants to be made evident. We practice that resting in meditation, but we take that practice out into our lives, our daily lives, and we do it for real. It makes us attentive, wise, unreactive, but responsive. It enables us to follow that wonderful dictum from Viktor Frankl that between stimulus and response, there's a space. Between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. The mind and the breath resting together allows that space for that response to come about. It allows love to come rather than reaction. And through that space, as Merton says, I am true to the concept that God utters in me. I am true to the thought of him that I was meant to embody. I am full of his actuality and find him everywhere in myself. I find my small self nowhere. I am lost in him. That is, I truly find myself. Next week, we're going to finish this series by talking about how that enables us to manifest the highest of ourselves in the world. And thank you very much for your attention. Anyway, look, I, I put a microphone there. If anyone wants to come back at me on anything, um, sometimes they, people do, sometimes they don't. Uh, but I've got a little, I always like to have a little reading towards the end. And um, Bruce gave, put me onto this book, the second book of the Tao, Stephen Mitchell's uh, um, uh, book of the Tao Te Ching. Um, it's not actually Tao Te Ching, but it's uh, you know he put together various little aphorisms that people have written. And, and this one really, I love that idea of living in your breath. You know, living in your breath slows everything down. Living in your breath means that you're aware of the center of your life. You can't do anything hasty if you're living in your breath. Love naturally comes. You live in your feelings. If you live in your breath, your feelings just naturally come through. And there's a sort of way of living that if you're, you know... You know shut up my children, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, we all aspire to that. Not aspire, there's another, that's another breath word, aspire, funnily enough. We aspire to that. And this really, what I'm going to read now, it has the word breath in, but it describes how the masters live in their breath. The ancient masters slept without dreaming and woke without concerns, Their food was spare and simple. Their breath went deep. They didn't hold on to life. They faced death free of concepts, emerging without desire, going back without resistance. They never forgot their beginning They didn't trouble their minds, searching for what their end was. They received life as a gift and handed it back gratefully. Minds subtle, faces serene, in a crisis cool as autumn, in relationships warm as spring. They are balanced throughout the four seasons and in harmony with the Tao. There is no limit to their freedom. I love that. I think it just has a wonderful sense of the gift of life and the giving back at death and the relaxedness of it all. Anybody want to say anything at all? Yes. Lovely. It's that um, COVID is also a disease of the breath. What is? COVID. COVID-19. COVID is a disease of the breath, yes. And um, um, it's a pandemic. Yes. So it's universal. Yes. And if you extend the metaphor, that could be a, a, a universal um, a disease of the spirit. It is interesting. I mean, if one goes with these ideas that the universe is always telling you and giving you signs as to what to focus on, the universe is asking all of us to focus on our breath. It gives us that sign, which is such a great thing to point out. Thank you. It gives us that sign to say, look at your breath. Look at, and the breath is, is imperiled by this. We have imperiled our breath. We have imperiled our spirit. And that's a wonderful thing to say. Thank you. Anybody else? I'll quit while I'm ahead. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.